0: Hello and welcome in to Oklahoma Breakdown in Oklahoma podcast, product of Crimson and Cream Machine, your SB Nation Oklahoma Sooners blog. I'm Matt Ravis, along with Jack Shields, managing editor of Crimson and Cream Machine. Jack, how are you tonight? Pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good. As of uh, time of recording, we've got OSU football going on right now, playing Cupcake State. Not a lot of fun to watch, Uh, but it has been a little bit interesting to watch uh, Taylor Cornelius Corn Dog himself Go about it. But that's not what we're here for. Uh, we're here to talk some OU football. First of all, uh, how's your week been going?
1: Not too bad, man. Uh, basically just, you know, doing the whole managing editor thing and preparing for this week. But I did have my fantasy draft, and I think it went okay
0: at best. Here's the problem, though. So nobody wants to hear about your fantasy Nobody team.
1: wants to hear about my fantasy team, especially the <clears throat> listeners of this podcast. And, uh... Trying to think, who did I get? I don't even remember. Oh, here we go. Yeah,
0: Baker Mayfield, number one overall.
1: Baker Mayfield went pretty early in our draft. Is That's hilarious. Pro- yeah, he went like. Let me pull this. I think he went like fifth or sixth round, which is before a quarterback, you know, of that stature should, you know, even if he's, you know, the starter. Yeah. Way well, too early. That's I mean, much
0: that's much earlier than I feel comfortable taking a quarterback, especially one who's not even the uh starter at this point. Exactly,
1: so, yeah. I mean he's you know, he's gonna ball out at some point, but you know, not yet. I've got let's see. I did get I got the number two pick and I got Le'Veon Bell. So There you go, I was a solid I'm choice. I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, I, mean, I kinda uh, fell in my lap. But man,
0: football has really ruled my life and especially fantasy football, you know. Uh, I work for 107.7 The Franchise. It's a sports talk radio station in Oklahoma City, and we have a nice plug. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Shamus plug. Uh, we have a fantasy football show, and so I have just been absolutely um, obsessed with fantasy football uh, because that's just how I am. I'm an obsessive person. So, did a draft last Sunday. Got two this weekend. I'm ready to go. We're ready to go.
1: What's your team name?
0: Uh, it just depends, man. So for this for this league I'm in, uh, for the franchise league. Scott's Tots from oh, nice. uh, the, yeah. from the uh, cringiest office episode. Hey, Mr. Scott. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, my other favorite team name is Randy Dalton. I don't know why I like that so much. It just cracks me up thinking. It, of, I mean, yeah, you you envision Andy Dalton with a mustache. That's that, you. That is exactly. See, yeah, what I, I understand
1: your essence. Yeah, that's
0: exactly what I think of. So, yeah, Randy Dalton, or I think of like a, his uncle. He's kind of unsavory. Maybe yeah. Smokes, smokes Marlboro Reds and. And or uh, chews tobacco as well, drives a pickup, that sort of thing. Uh, let's get into, uh, I mean, our first topic here isn't real substantial football, but if you're an OU football fan, um, it is probably real and substantial, and that is alcohol sales
1: in the stadium. Oklahoma State's playing tonight, and they're selling alcohol throughout the stadium. You know, not just to the you know people in the luxury areas, you know, they're selling it to everyone, so which is how it, it should yeah. be. I mean... Right on. I mean, Oklahoma State has it, Tulsa has it, Texas has it You know, I think at some point the pressure will really be on Oklahoma to make that change And they'll have the excuse to make that change Because it's been implemented at uh, other schools in the area And I mean, it's, you know, they're not really having any issues with it They're not really having issues anywhere with it I mean, like, no one's None of the schools that allow this have, like, heightened reports of incidents or anything like that. I well, mean, because you
0: have to pay – I mean, it's so – You're, not, you're it was, not sneaking wild turkey
1: yeah. into the stadium and getting blasted. I maybe, mean, and you're you probably are. not uh, – you, you probably will. I probably will. <laughs> but like, uh, and you're probably not – you're probably statistically less likely to go quite as hard out at the tailgate either. So, sure, I mean, it, it's – in a way, it's more responsible. That's
0: a, that's a good time for us to promote our two guests later. Alan Kinney – uh, I think that's... who we get into the beer thing, right? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, Alan Kenny of late We get into this beer thing with them, And then, uh, for the FAU game, Florida-Atlanta coming into town, uh, we talked to Cyrus Smith as well uh, from Underdog Dynasty. Good dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great conversation. So, definitely stick around. Those two guys go back-to-back to back towards the later end of the podcast. But I'm with you. I mean, there's no reason to not allow it. I think it's a win-win And uh, Joe Castiglione has has talked about it, sounding a little bit reticent. I don't. He's a know. smart man.
1: He'll do the right thing eventually. And I, I mean, think that,
0: and you say he's a smart guy. I think he's maybe positioning himself. You know, maybe being diplomatic about it, yeah, not saying absolutely. one way or another. Uh, because, like you said, he knows he, he knows how to do his job. He's been doing exactly. this for a while. One of the best ads in America. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think whenever you're paying ten dollars for a beer. Cause it's probably going to be ten dollars for a beer. Probably, I, yeah. I understand it's seven dollars in Stillwater right now for a sixteen ounce beer. I didn't think that that was that bad. If you've that, been that's any,
1: that's probably about like Thunder prices. I mean, that's that's yeah. not too bad. If I mean, you've been to
0: any sporting event, you know that's yeah, just that's, that's how not good. That's that's the price you pay to to drink alcohol at, at a uh, exclusive event. So I'm with you. I don't see any. I do
1: think problems. it is a lame message when you do allow alcohol in the uh, luxury areas and don't allow it. Uh, Sure. Elsewhere, I mean, you know, you're the message is essentially that uh, the, uh, I mean, you know, the people with a bit more money in their pocket can uh, handle their shit, and the unwashed masses, you know, we're just going to be stumbling all over the place. Which <laughs> you know,
0: I I have had experience with people with money and people without. money. Exactly. Back. Yeah. And honestly, I trust people without money maybe a little bit more. But yeah, that, that just might be my experience. Yeah. Same here. So, uh, let's, I mean, we, we're already talking about this already on the cusp of it. Let's move on to the uh, Florida Atlantic opener, Lane Kiffin, Hurricane Lane coming into town. Still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. I mean, first of all, let's just start there. That's gamesmanship, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little is. bit, but I mean, the offense isn't really going to change between those three guys. I, I just, I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, I really obviously do want to see Chris Robinson, and I think we will see him... Regardless.
0: Chris Robinson, the, uh... Was Former kick, OU quarterback, yeah, kicked, kicked off, the off the team, team yeah. uh, after... What, what I hope he
1: does him. well there. I mean, I you know, it's... And it, Riley said as much in his presser on Monday, but, you know, he's, uh... All three of them are able to run a little bit, including DeAndre Johnson of uh, Last Chance U fame, of course, and formerly of Florida State, but, um... And then there's the kid from SMU who's not really a part of the equation. It's just more for show, honestly. But, um, yeah, their offense really isn't going to change that much. And the you know, quarterback is honestly their biggest question mark on offense. I mean, the uh, accuracy that all three of them seem to not quite have to where they should. To I mean, the offense, I mean, I don't get me wrong. They're going to – I think they're going to put up points on OU. My, my pick was, I guess it was 45-31 OU. Well, I, 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 I don't. I don't think the uh, outcome will be in doubt later in the second half. But I do think that FAU is going to put up some points at some point. Just with it being this Oklahoma defense's first game of the season, and the fact that they're you know pretty damn good on offense. The Devin Singletary kid is the truth. I mean, he's pretty damn good. But uh,
0: yeah, nineteen hundred yards last year. Um, 32 touchdowns. Yeah, you're not mis-mistering. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to
1: Cyrus about that later. We actually already talked to Cyrus, but you will hear us talk to Cyrus later because we already recorded it. Production
0: magic. How about Yeah, that? there you go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at Florida Atlantic, they bring back 15 starters, five starters on offense. And uh, I, I guess let me ask you this, going back to the quarterbacks, don't you think that that, that definitely plays in OU's favor, right? The fact that they have accuracy yeah. issues. Because yeah, OU totally. defense's problem has always been, Seems like getting the top taken off yeah. of them, and i, I don't really. See I don't that think that's going to be as big of an
1: issue this year, though. Honestly, I mean, I—I I, I do think this defense is going to be much better. But like I said, it's the first game of the season. You're, you know, throwing out the four-two-five uh, with regularity for the first time in a while, and so you know, we'll—I I do. It's obviously, I think, it is the right move that Mike Stoops is making. You know, of a rare. Uh, right move for Mike Stoops, if I do say so myself. But, um,
0: <laughs> Biggest Mike Stoops fan.
1: Big Mike Stoops fans over here at uh, Crimson and Cream Machine. But um,
0: so, Yeah, I, I, if you want to get into betting lines, you want to go ahead and do that? What, okay. what was
1: it? It was I think it was 21. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'd take FAU to cover there.
0: 21 points. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah, you're essentially saying three touchdowns there. Yeah. Um, I, I I have a very very mixed feeling on this, and I have a feeling like it's going to either be a game where uh, OU is, it, it, OU fans are crossing their fingers and, and their heart is beating a little bit faster, blood pressure rises a little bit. So I think it, it will. I'm be inherently closer. nervous as an OU fan. Absolutely, just, you and know, it's just, this, just it's just happens. our condition. Yeah. And, and well, true. I mean, when you get conditioned that way, yeah. Um, it could be worse, though. It definitely oh, could be course. worse. Yeah. But I so I either see it being very very close, or I see uh, Oklahoma just absolutely blowing the, the owls out of the water and it not being necessarily – it being a blowout and it maybe being over – not necessarily about halftime, maybe halfway through the third quarter. I don't see a lot of in-between, them.
1: Well, I hope so. I hope that it, it does end out like the, uh, the latter scenario you just mentioned.
0: I – just scheduling this, that's – Probably how the Sooners thought it was going to be, right? They thought. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. They they thought this, you know,
1: Kiffin wasn't around when they scheduled this. I mean, this was going to be the pay per view game instead of the Army game, and now it's the point where you know people are going to have to pay to watch this Army game. Which Army Oklahoma could have been a nice television broadcast. Otherwise, I mean, and obviously you can't put UCLA on pay per view. That's going to ruffle some feathers, and that just wouldn't work at all. But. uh,
0: there's yeah, be I mean, one game on paper. It is
1: what so. it is. Yeah, yeah. That's the reality of Oklahoma's contract with Fox. So, the whole tier three thing. So, it
0: is what it is. So that's just that. Um, yeah, that's just how it goes. But uh, I, this this sounds so cliche to say, but I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're at this juncture. Uh, two days away at time of recording. Two days away. Yeah. Uh, from Oklahoma football. Two sleeps away from Oklahoma football. One sleep
1: for you listening to this because we're recording on Thursday night and it's Friday morning
0: now, or it's Friday afternoon if you're
1: listening to it. Real quick, it's Friday afternoon.
0: You want to you want to plug what's uh, what we've got going on on the website? Oh yeah, I mean from now until Saturday uh, through Sunday, Monday,
1: we've got a uh, got a preview with Chuck from FAU Al Access coming up uh, sometime early tomorrow morning. We've got this podcast dropping, obviously. If you're listening to it, you know that. Then we've got... uh I'm trying to think. Hmm. Got one other thing. I'm drawing a blank. I mean, there'll be a game thread... I'm be a game not being thread. a very good blog manager right now with me drawing a blank right here. I, I should know this stuff. I kind of put sure. you on the spot, though. Yeah. Uh,
0: but I mean, there'll be a game thread, right, for... for yeah, a game, game thread. Yeah, Carnicle
1: or... put that up... Uh, Probably at, like, 6 a.m. All and the social
0: media. Uh, at, C, at CC Machine, right? Yeah, at
1: CC Machine on social media. And then, you know, with the uh, game thread, you can, you know, pop on in and vent about Mike Stoops with like-minded OU fans. So
0: I'm sure game day traffic on the website is... It, it's, it's pretty right.
1: good, yeah. I mean, last year was a lot better than it was the year before. And Seth uh, Seth will be in there talking to everybody. Seth Olivares, one of our contributors, he'll be in there. And then, uh, dutiful writer. Very dutiful rider. Very dutiful rider, yeah. He does the... Uh, Countdowns, and he does the hot links. He does really well with that, and he brings enthusiasm to it every day. He is a uh, vital member of our team, and then also Sam Camp will be in there uh, deflecting the trolls. So there are
0: trolls. On there the are internet? trolls. Yeah, on the, the Believe it trolls? or not, yeah, yeah on, a, not a, sure. uh,
1: on a on uh, a you know college football thread, there are a few trolls.
0: That's not. You know what? Actually, this all. Ohio state Urban Meyer situation has reminded Yeah, yeah, me you see how crazy
1: people are on the internet as far as college football is concerned. Man. Those are the... Uh, In their own world. They are crazier than any fan base I have ever encountered at this very moment, Yeah, as no, far as how they're handling this.
0: It's nuts, it's nuts for sure. Uh, well, before we get into our conversations with our guests, uh, one more thing to talk about, and that is an unheralded, unknown walk-on, may catch your eye... Drake Stoops, who nobody, absolutely nobody knew about coming in right now. I'm, I'm obviously being sarcastic. Uh, son of Bob Stoops, uh, the great. There's a good football lineage there. Uh, you, you know about Bob Stoops, the coach, but you know back in the day at Iowa, uh, I'm a little bit biased because my parents are both from Iowa. But you know, my dad told me about watching the Stoops brothers play. So definitely some good genetics as far as athletes go in the Stoops family. Absolutely, yeah. And and Drake Stoops, I mean, very very high up on the depth chart. What do you make of uh, of Drake Stoops? Figuring into OU football, uh, and not just that, figuring into OU football right away.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's not just, you know, an average walk-on, obviously. he's He had an offer from Iowa coming out. You know, obviously the family connection probably helped there. But, I mean, he there's no doubt that he would have been a pretty good player there. You know, he had some really solid uh, group of five offers like uh, – Like Western Kentucky, Memphis, Arkansas State. Places where they put up a lot of points Mm -hmm. and usually go to bowl games. So, I mean, that would have been a decent situation for him. But, you know, he clearly chose to bet on himself and end up at Oklahoma. And, you know, the bet paid off, obviously. He is uh, listed as one of the potential starters. We'll get to that later with the depth chart. Uh, A depth chart full of uh, the letters O and R. As is customary at this time of year, and is very irritating at this time of year. But anyway, he's right in the mix there with uh, Nick Basquin and uh, Miles Tees and those two guys. They're both uh, they're both redshirt seniors, so the prospects of him holding down that slot position for the foreseeable future pretty good.
0: Yeah, he, he reminds me of a lot of slot receivers we've seen over the years, yeah. not even necessarily out Oklahoma. I'm talking at places like Texas, and places like Oklahoma State. He reminds me of one of those guys who is just a, for lack of a better word, a gamer. Yeah. And, uh, again, we haven't seen Drake Stoops in a game setting, so... Uh, it's probably a little bit overkill to I say mean, that. I mean, some of the plays he made amazing.
1: at Norman North were incredible. And he's, he's very, and very he's athletic. making a lot of those plays in practice too. You you see it pop up on the interwebs. All the crazy catches he makes. I mean, he really is a special talent. He, just, uh, he seems
0: like uh, one of those guys who is you know you can get caught up in five stars, measurables, all his metrics, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how many football players you have on your team. And he strikes me um, as Baker Mayfield did. He's a gamer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know this. This blog's official stance is not the "oh, oh stars don't matter" thing, but in this case, I mean, sure. you know, obviously there are outliers. I mean, there are plenty of outliers. Liars. You see them in the NFL all the time, and uh, you know, OU has obviously hit on a lot of uh, two and three star recruits in the past. I mean, Eric Stryker was a three star guy himself. Sam uh, Charles Tapper. Yeah, Sam Bradford. You know, Charles Tapper. Uh, you could name plenty of others, but uh, you know, Stoops is uh, someone who, like I said, is going to. Clearly has, uh, at least from early indications, what it takes to be a real contributor at Oklahoma. And that's pretty exciting.
0: Oh, he's got the uh, a walk-on pipeline going on. Yeah, like four walk-ons. of
1: the ten receivers mentioned on the depth chart have been or are walk-ons. That's amazing. All three at the, uh, the H, the slot position, that's, you know, that's, you know, I mean... I feel like that position sort of lends itself, obviously, to not being, you know, a. I guess you don't have to be necessarily a freak athlete to play that position. You have to be quick. Yeah, you don't, but you don't you need have to, to run be very a good three. at running. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to. I mean, Wes Welker wasn't a guy who was. He had a great career. He had a great career, yeah, but and he fit in perfectly in the right system, and, you know, someone like Drake Stoops can do just that.
0: Yeah, that um, might be an interesting comparison to. Uh... To couch, keep out in your wallet, and pull out later down the line. Westwell here yeah, and Drake Stoops. Future uh,
1: New England Patriot superstar Drake <laughs> Stoops. <Stutes.
0: laughs> uh, yeah, he may not make it there before Tom Brady retires, though. But uh, actually, hell, he, you never know. Tom Brady may outlast Drake Stoops at this point. Who knows? All right. Well, I think that is all we've got to get into before we get into our guests. So, uh, coming up next, we are going to talk to Alan Kenny of Blatant Homerism. Going to go over the depth chart. Uh, I want to get into the oh Your beer thing, like we said. All that and more coming up on Oklahoma Breakdown. Our guest here is Alan Kenny. His bylines on Blatant Homerism, Athlon Sports, etc. Uh, you can find him at Blatant Homerism on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. Highly recommend you do that. Alan, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, man, I can't complain. How about yourself?
0: Same here. Football on. So, exactly. No complaints yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, the
1: long, dark off season is over. Speaking of uh, preseason and offseason themes, uh, how much do you hate the word or when you see it on a depth chart?
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know... Uh, Oklahoma obviously dropped its today you know and uh, not a lot of uh, answers there that people have been uh, expecting you
1: know so yeah I'm no, more confused uh, now than I was before it came out
2: <laughs> yeah yeah oh no absolutely
1: 100% well speaking of this uh, let's sort of jump into this right now since we're on this topic um, let's see here we've got the jack linebacker position we got Addison Gums and Mark Jackson do you think? Those two are going to get some equal playing time. Do you favor one over the other? What's your opinion on that? Well, you know,
2: my initial thought is that I, I mean, I really like what uh, Addison Gums brings to the table. You know, his length is kind of, uh, he's not necessarily a, a really explosive guy, but. Uh, I, I feel like he is just a little – has a little bit more upside than, than what I've seen out of Jackson. Uh, but it looks like they're going to be, you know, kind of switching back and forth maybe and doing a lot of rotating there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was, you know, with the or there, I mean, I feel like it's pretty inconsequential who starts because I feel like they're both going to play – quite a bit on Saturday, honestly. Now, the more intriguing storyline at linebacker is over at the Will linebacker position. Uh, Bolton is still listed as an or with Caleb Kelly. Uh, When Kelly moved, I think people assumed he was the heir apparent over there. Um, I'm not sure if that is really the case anymore. I mean, Bolton is apparently impressed quite a bit, or maybe they're trying to light a fire under Caleb Kelly's ass right now or something like that. Uh, Do you think kelly caleb kelly gets the start here i mean do you think he's really a fit over there i mean he's probably a better fit than he was at sam but
2: well i mean here's the thing about that um you know i when i heard that kelly was making that move inside i, I feel like i was one of the very few people who was like oh i don't know about that because uh, you know i've seen him he needs to be a guy who's really kind of using his you know kind of length out there in space, you know, a guy who can cover, you know, guys coming maybe into the flats, you know, or that curl the flat route, uh, ends, you know, running backs, uh, you know, a guy who can, you know, also, you know, make plays there, you know, on, when, on a runs outside and whatnot. When I saw him try to take on uh, tackles and, and guards, you know, on, on uh, whenever that was, you know, in, in – Uh, you know his first two years it really didn't work out very well it's just he's a he's a lanky guy you know he's got a kind of a what what I describe as a big strike zone for uh, you know offensive linemen to uh, get him kind of tangled up and I just don't know if playing inside and kind of sorting through all the trash and whatnot is is really his game so I'm not Necessarily surprised that he's having a hard time, kind of you know, acclimating to the position. When you factor in too that, you know, he was out for the entire spring, so I mean, he really didn't have a chance to take any He was taking, you know, quote unquote, mental reps, but you know, not not doing anything physical out there. So, it doesn't entirely shock me that uh, he's struggling, or or that I guess that Bolton is uh, holding his own there, especially when you consider, you know, I I realize it, it's not necessarily a performance thing, but you know Bolton stuck around for an extra year he could have gone the grad transfer route you know I mean he's he's been a guy that's been loyal to the program put in a lot of time so it could also be you know that uh that they're recognizing that as well
1: yeah I got gotcha. um as far as these safety positions are concerned I, I was uh seeing your tweets earlier and you were saying something about how Broyles and Houghton. you thought that was pretty much a foregone conclusion already but I, I tend to agree but uh do you still, still, uh, I guess, sort of see this as an open competition like I do? That'll last sure. probably through the non-conference yeah. play.
2: Well, if we've uh, seen anything in the past couple of years, yeah. I mean, there's been a, there was you know quite a bit of rotating there uh, last season. Now a lot of that had to do with uh, health and injuries. But um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know Houghton, I was I figured he'd hold that end up holding that down just because. You know, he wasn't. Uh, he certainly wasn't great last year, but you know, he uh, he was pretty steady. Um, Better you know, than he'd been position, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other position I think there was the one that was more interesting, and and uh, what I wonder about is if they, you know, get into a situation where they're going to try to, you know, go a little bit bigger, maybe rotate in, uh, you know, a Sam linebacker or something like that. Uh, to, and, and and get out of the uh, nickel personnel. Are they going to move uh, Brendan Radley Hiles there to to that other safety position that
1: Justin Broyles has now, or is he strictly a nickel back? I mean, yeah, that's the luxury Oklahoma has with a guy like Buki Radley Hiles. That's I, honestly, I think that's the biggest signee Oklahoma's had, like as far as like need is concerned, possibly in the last five ten years. I mean, do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, and I mean it's uh, yeah, I, I you know I'd have to think back, but I mean just the fact that uh, you know they've been able to uh, get him on the field that quickly, and uh, you know the way they talk, he might just be their most. I'm not sure if you necessarily say best defensive player, but maybe the most impactful. Just the way, just listening to him talk about him, uh, you know he can do a lot there. You know I wrote a a piece uh, earlier this year about about his him and. You know, likened him to uh, Jameis Williams at, uh, down at uh, South Carolina, who they started playing right away, you know, as, as a nickel, playing kind of like a 3-3-5, and he made a huge impact for that defense last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, moving over to the offensive line, um, this is a little interesting. I mean, maybe it's with Bobby Evans and Cody Ford, both listed as or for right tackle and left tackle, do you think there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on there, or something like that? Is there any reason why they wouldn't know at this point or wouldn't publicly say where they're going to be at this point? I mean, that kind of threw me off a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's it going to say? I guess, you know, maybe they would look at trying, you know, Florida Atlantic's defense would – maybe look at bringing more blitzes uh at cody ford and game playing depending on you know kind of knowing where he was going to line up but that that seems almost like a stretch to me i'm i'm really not sure you know what's going on i i can't imagine it's the kind of deal where they don't know yet which one fits better where but then again maybe they're just going to kind of throw them out there and see how see how it looks against uh you know against live competition
1: yeah uh um in that you know, in that same topic, you know, at the center position, we've also got the or with Jonathan Alvarez and Creed Humphrey at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not entirely sure what the because uh, they they obviously know who's going to start at center at this point. There's no way on Thursday they don't you know know who's starting at center at this point. But who do you favor out of those two?
2: Wow. Well, you know, I mean, it's so hard not being there. Uh, you know, during during the week to see practices, but. I mean, based, you know, on what I've seen out of Alvarez, you know, a few years back when he was kind of pressed into service ahead of schedule, you know, he, he really kind of struggled strength-wise. Um, now, you know, it's been three years in the, uh, you know, in the strength and conditioning program, so maybe that's that's changed, you know. Uh, that, the one thing about that, though, is that it's a position there, center, where you really have to have it together mentally and uh it could be that that gives alvarez you know just enough to kind of keep up with
1: creed humphrey who uh
2: you know by all accounts is is you know kind of i guess maybe physically the superior player
1: yeah i mean he honestly he he fits a different mold than any center we've really had around here honestly he's uh someone who could be a real you know road grader you know as a run blocker i mean that's not something we've had around here for quite a few years but uh Sticking with offense here, uh, Michael Jones. I mean, I assumed that he was going to be in line to assume his role uh, or keep his role as the uh, starter at the H. He's not even listed at the H. He's listed third at the Z position. I mean, do you think we're done seeing him in the slot? Great question,
2: and, you know, that caught my eye too. Uh, You know, part of his problem, I think, since he's been at OU has been just – his inability to stay healthy and stay on the field. Um, so you know it could be that it's a case where they're really trying to get you know guys like uh, I think Miles Tease right it, it, that they had three
1: guys listed there as a yeah Baskin, Baskin Stoops and Tease
2: yeah. yeah you know Baskin it would make sense he's trying to co- he's coming back off you know those those injuries and uh, you know had a, showed a little bit of promise there when he was uh, actually playing Tease is another guy that they're they're clearly trying to reward and from what I understand, you know, Drake Stoops has really stood out. So it could just be that there's a log jam there and they decided to uh, move Jones out there to the Z position. But, um, you know, it, it's one of those deals where he it, – it's like you, you can see that the potential is there with him, but it's just, you know, yet to really kind of, uh, you know,
1: shine all the way through. Yeah, and I mean he—you mentioned injuries with him. He did have that issue with his shoulder, which required, I believe, surgery this off season. He—I think it was the Kansas State game where he had to pop it back in to uh-huh. his socket, like yeah. on two occasions. Maybe there's still an issue with that or something like that, because he's behind, you know, true freshman Jalen Robinson on the depth chart at this point, which uh, definitely caught my eye a little bit now. Alan, uh, both at Blayton Homerism and with Athlon, you cover more than just Oklahoma football. I mean, you're a big college football guy in general. Um, So having said that, who do you have in your college football playoff at this point? Gosh, uh,
2: you know, I finally got around to doing those uh, over the weekend, and I came up with – I had Alabama – I had Ohio State, I had Clemson, and I had Oklahoma. So nothing uh, too uh, out of the ordinary there. No, no real hot takes.
1: I think I had the same one, honestly. And <laughs> it's hard to come to any other conclusion with, this, especially with those other three. I mean, when you recruit at that level consistently, it's it's hard to really doubt their year to year talent. I mean, it's you, you're just assume that Alabama's going to come back, and you have a right to assume that Alabama's going to come back and have that same defense, even, you know, when they have some attrition. I mean, it's five stars backing up five stars there. But um, speaking of prognostications, who do you have playing OU in the Big 12 championship?
2: Um, Gosh, man, I went back and forth on this because, you know, I looked across the league, and, you know, they're clearly – concerns I have about OU at different spots or what have you but it's that still looks like the best roster to me you know so I, I had a hard time uh, you know finding another team that I thought was on that level and then there's just such a log jam of uh, teams that I think could you know uh, end up you know kind of in that number two area so you know I, I think maybe pound for pound the second best team might be Texas but I ended up with TCU ahead of them uh, you know, just because I think TCU's got a pretty favorable, uh, schedule the way it works out. They draw a lot of games that I, I look at is you know, 50 50 games, depending on where they'd be. And it seems like a lot of them are in, uh, Fort Worth, including OU, which, you know, they'll, they'll have a shot to, uh, pull an upset there because it seems like Gary Patterson, especially there at home, always kind of has something ready for OU.
1: Yeah. Um, Alan, one final thing. Um, we're watching Oklahoma State right now here on the TV. They're playing the Missouri State Bears or Grizzlies or whatever of Springfield, mm-hmm. Missouri. Um, I guess it's 31-7, but
0: anyway. time of recording. Yeah, yeah, time of recording.
1: Um, they're selling beer throughout their stadium at this point, point. and now you, I guess you live in D.C., right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so you're out on the East Coast. You're not able to come to OU games too often, so I guess you don't so much have a dog in the fight here. But, from an outside perspective, and just from a, you know, standpoint of practicality and trends, um, if you had to make a bet on this, would you say that OU ends up having beer available to all sections in 2019? Wow.
2: Well, um, 2019, it just, it seems like the, the kind of crush for this is just so strong right now. Um... You know, I I think that that would be a pretty good bet. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh I I would probably lean that way. Um, you know, most people that uh, you know, kind of seem to be in the know think that, you know, at at most it's it's a few years away at at most. So, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, they kind of break through next year.
1: All right, Matt, we're shooting for 2019 with uh, beer sales in the stadium. So, we <laughs> have that to look forward Not to. Not
0: drinkable beer though. Won't be able to drink it. <laughs> What do you mean? Hashtag SQ788. It's not smokable.
1: Oh, okay. That, was,
0: uh, that joke is probably like a month ago. That, that went over Q my late. head, man. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 not, I'm going
1: to have to think about that after we're done recording. Well, it's
0: not here. as not as timely as it was whenever the uh, state question 788. Oh, out.
1: wait, wait, wait. Yeah, the smokable. Okay, yeah, never yeah. mind. No, All right, to, Alan, I don't know problem. if you've been following this medical marijuana thing in Oklahoma, but he, <laughs> Matt just made a joke about that. But, uh... Anyway, well, that's uh, let's to, uh, to you guys on that one. one. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm still trying to work that one out. Apparently, Sorry. yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, um, thank you for coming on here. Thank you for being a good sport, and uh, look forward to talking to you again, man. Oh, sure thing, man. Anytime.
0: All right, our guest right now is Cyrus Smith. You can follow him on Twitter, at CoolSyWrites. That is Cy spelled C-Y, Writes spelled W-R-I-T-E-S. Cyrus is the site manager for the Underdog Dynasty, the SB Nation Group of Five blog. Cyrus, how are you tonight?
3: Fine, fine. How
1: are you two doing? Doing good. Pretty good, man. How are you? Uh, Cyrus, I've been waiting for two things all day. First, the uh, depth chart for OU to come out, which finally did come out. And for FAU to announce their starting quarterback. And it still hasn't happened as of right now. This is going to be going out on Friday morning. So maybe it'll be out there by then. But, uh, you know, it's between uh, DeAndre Johnson, uh, Chris Robinson, former Sooner Chris Robinson, and uh, the kid from SMU. Uh, they all can run a little bit. They all struggle a little bit with accuracy. But the offense, I guess, is going to look kind of similar no matter what. Um... What can we expect from this offense from a schematic perspective?
3: Well, schematically, um, we lost, you know, Kendall Bryles, who went to Houston, thankfully. You know, he shouldn't have been at FU to begin with, but um, we lost Kendall Bryles, the offense coordinator, and, um, you know, a lot of people, myself included, don't really feel like that loss was um, that much of a deal, so to speak, being that Lane Kiffin is the head coach. He's kind of the overseer of all things offensively for the Owls, in my opinion, but what Bryles did bring to the Lane Kiffin offense was that type, that Baylor tempo that we're custom seeing out in Texas and with the Big 12 schools. So we do lose that dynamic under during spring practice and leading into fall camp. Um, it seems like the Owls have been playing just a little bit slower. But in my eyes, I think the offense should still be the same. Um, it's going to be a still run-first oriented offense with Devin Singletary, Motor, as we call him, Conference USA MVP. Um, had 32 touchdowns last year, 1,900 yards. Just a hell of a back, really. He's still going to be the focal point of the offense. The dynamic that we kind of hope gets added into the offense this year is more consistency from our quarterbacks. Last year, Jason Driscoll was very, very inconsistent. He brought a lot to the table as far as being a running quarterback, but he just could not stretch the field vertically. With each of the quarterbacks that we have that should start on Saturday, each one is much more consistent of a passer, so to speak, um, that can get the ball down the field. They do, as you mentioned before, struggle with accuracy, so we'll just kind of see how that, you know, kind of parlays into the game. But no matter what, whoever's the quarterback, you're going to see a run first offense with Devil Singletary getting the ball about 25, 30 times a game, if the game is close.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, hopefully it's not close. But um, <laughs> on Monday, Lincoln rallied his presser. He mentioned uh, Aziz Shair's name alongside uh, – That of Roquan Smith, he was saying that if FAU had played Oklahoma last year, that uh, Alshair would have been the second best defensive player that Oklahoma played behind Roquan Smith, which is some extremely steep praise. Um, What makes him so special and what about him stands out to you?
3: Well, his story is very dynamic. You know, he, he came from a very impoverished situation and was able to kind of grind out with and by representing him and his family and getting to this point of his career. And what that tells me and what he's showed since he's become an owl, owl is that he has a lot of passion for the game. He's our vocal leader, so he's just like Roquan Smith, is that he's the face of the defense. He makes a lot of tackles. Um, definitely, you're going to see him in the backfield if there is a disruptive play from the, coming from the linebackers. It'll more than likely be... Al-Zayushir um, making that play. But he's just a dynamic player. He's a bit undersized, the tweener, so to speak, at middle linebacker, but he's a dynamic athlete. He can cover the tight ends. He's usually um, predominantly we use them as spies for dual-threat quarterbacks that were in Conference say last year. So if, you know, when Kyler Murray's kind of on the run, he'll be the one who's going to be trying to contain him, so to speak, this Saturday.
0: Uh, so Alshair is one guy, but um, who are some other guys, Cyrus, on that defense who stand out from a playmaking standpoint?
3: Um, From uh, from a playmaking standpoint, FAU's secondary was one of the best secondaries in the nation last year. I believe they had about 27 interceptions near the top of the NCAA. Brings back a veteran defensive backs where you have Jalen Young at safety who's kind of a – he'll do punt return, but he's a dynamic athlete. He'll definitely be playing on Sundays. Then you have a crossman, Chris Tooley. You have – not Rico Williams, but you just have – there's a lot of defensive backs, um, Quaz – Iyer, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, just, there's a lot of talented defensive backs in the secondary. And with um, with the experience that's coming back, even though we do have a new defensive coordinator, Tony Piccaro, I'm not going to be all that surprised if we see a lot of man-to-man coverage because I know that they have a lot of confidence in our defensive backs. Um, last year, Andrew Sorrow had an interception. Um, Jalen Young had seven interceptions. Zion Gilbert was a factor. So you just have a lot of known names, a lot of... In that defense, which we kind of run a three-three-five-four-two-five scheme, where um, they're going to be really relied on heavily to kind of contain Hollywood and a bunch of other um, Oklahoma's um, star players at receiver. Uh,
1: Cyrus, that defense did pretty well uh, down the stretch, but struggled struggled uh, early against uh, quality competition, and that was particularly true against the running game. Uh, do you think that has more to do with the uh, competition, the uh, growth of the unit, or a combination of the two?
3: Um, I would say a combination of the two. The defensive line isn't really all that um, stellar in my eyes. Um, we've relied on a lot of junior college players to come in and kind of fill some gaps, and we have yet to have any kind of solid consistency. Jelani Tallini from last year at Pitt transfer as a grad transfer kind of was a stalwart for that defensive line. Um. But they didn't really create a lot of negative plays or havoc plays, as Bill Conley likes to say, um, as far as tackles for loss. Uh, The DL havoc rate was around 61, which isn't that bad, but under Chris Kiffin's defense last year, it was kind of bring but don't break. And, you know, facing Oklahoma and their vaunted rushing offense, that's really, really worrisome. Last year, we played Wisconsin, and they kind of moved the ball at will, just, you know, kind of focusing on the ground. If Oklahoma just kind of stays away from passing the ball and if they kind of come out with the run-oriented offense, I don't see any reason why they won't be able to move the ball successfully against FAU this weekend.
0: Cyrus, you brought up Motor Singletary, Devin Singletary earlier, uh, and for, for great reason, ran for nearly 2,000 yards uh, in 2017. OU fans haven't really gotten a chance to see him. Uh, so how would you describe Devin Motor Singletary for somebody who hasn't gotten to watch him play yet?
3: Um, he's, a, he's a, I mean, the motor, the nickname is everything. He kind of doesn't stop his legs moving. He runs through arm tackles. He runs, he can run over you. Um, he can run around you. He has breakaway speed. He has nice hands. Um, he's kind of a do-everything back for the owl offense. He, he's really what triggers and makes it goes. That's why we call him motor. <laughs> um, as far as comparison, I mean, I can't even think of a player that's currently even in the NFL or past running backs that I've seen. Uh, he's a former um, Illinois commit before he enrolled at FAU. He decommitted last minute on National Signing Day. So he did hold Power 5 offers, so it's not like he was um, kind of a diamond in the rough. He was on his way to the Big Ten before kind of deciding to become an Owl and stay in South Florida. So you're looking at a back who's definitely going to be playing on Sundays, but really, uh, if from the perspective of Mike Soups, you have to kind of gang tackle him. He doesn't go down with one tackle. You have to kind of have two, three guys around the ball when he has it in his hands
1: uh speaking of single terry he's you know he's the guy who obviously gets all the headlines uh but we don't hear quite as much about the other skill position players such as the receivers uh which targets should OU fans know about coming into saturday
3: um over at tight end, we have um you know kind of a he's kind of under the radar so to speak but harrison bryant He's really feasted off of play action last year. If there's any play action type of plays up the seam, Harrison Bryant will more likely be the factor either up the seam or in the flats. He possesses nice hands. He's a great blocking tight end as well. He's been a factor. Willie Wright, um, speedster. Um, as a freshman last year, he had 56 catches um, for 657 yards, six touchdowns. Um, he's Usually we use him on jet sweeps or kind of those like, like quick shovel passes coming off the screen. Um, he's a really dynamic athlete. You'll see him on special teams as well. And then after that, um, former Longhorn DeAndre McNeil is kind of our big body. We kind of use him in red zones. He, he really faded towards the end of the season, but being that we lost big playmakers in Cameron Solomon and um, Caleb Woods, we kind of looked for him to be the next big-bodied receiver where we can rely on him um, to be a possession re- receiver and kind of hold in on slants and go routes um, of that nature. After that, um, a big name to watch out for who will be making his debut for the Owls is Javon Duarte, former West Virginia receiver, former four-star recruit coming out of Miramar, Florida, who kind of things didn't work out for him over um, in Morgantown with the Mountaineers. Back at FAU, has been nothing but dynamic as far as in-spring practice and fall practice, and he's looking to be the
1: number two um, receiver coming into this game. All right, Cyrus, you cover – the group of five schools at underdog dynasty and, you know, UCF obviously gets plenty of attention. So does FAU, but other than those two schools, which group of five schools do you think can possibly make some noise this year?
3: Um, uh, There's quite a few. I mean, you, you have, um, like you mentioned before, UCF and FAU UCF is kind of picking up all the hotlines with their national championship claim. Um, FAU with Lane Kiffin, but in my eyes, the best group of five team is going to be Boise State this year. They bring back a ton of starters who won about 11 games last year. They have a few marquee opponents on their schedule as far as out of conference. I believe they play Oklahoma State this season, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. They do
1: in Stillwater.
3: Yes. Um, I would definitely, I, I, in my eyes, I would consider Boise State to be the favorite considering what the um, Cowboys lose from last year's team. Um, so there'll be a, a a nice team as far as someone who could potentially run the table and kind of get in that same discussion where you know we might have a group of five teams claiming that they're a national champion or so to speak. Um, after that, you know, you have um, North Texas, who's kind of picked up a lot of headlines. Mason Fine, who's an Oklahoma native, um, over there in um, the D, um, not D.M.V. Um, uh, what's the area? D.F.W. In- there we go, D.F.W. in the metroplex. Um, North Texas has kind of turned the corner very well with Seth Detroit. I'm sure he's going to be in the mix for some big 12 jobs coming up in the next few years. Um, And then you have, after that, San Diego State and the usual suspects with USF and Houston. But in my eyes, Boise State should be the best um, group of five team.
1: Well, we'll be rooting for them against Oklahoma State, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) This has become kind of the trendy off-season upset pick, and I'm referring to FAU against Oklahoma. You know, people who are I mean, no disrespect to FAU, but the people who tend to give the big hot takes are the people who are picking FAU to win this one. But do you personally think that FAU has a legitimate chance to pull this one off on Saturday?
3: Um you know, personally, I actually really don't, which is really weird. i'm I'm really confident about the season and I do have high expectations. but you know we're kind of a year removed from FAU getting blown out from by Navy, blown out by Wisconsin. And both of these teams were very run-oriented teams. Over in Conference USA, it's a very pass-happy league. And, you know, being that Florida or FAU is, you know, kind of a Florida-centric school, we kind of have more better athletes. They played far past their potential during conference play. But this is kind of a different beast, a different animal. They don't have the defensive line that can really stop great rushing attacks. Um, Even with Navy last year, even though it is an option offense, they just got mauled. Uh, And— Being that Oklahoma has much better athletes, um, much more dynamic players, I don't see any case or any reason how FAU can stop them. Offensively, I do think the Owls can move the ball. I do think that they can potentially um, put up points on um, the Sooners, but I honestly don't see them um, winning the game. I do think that they could backdoor cover and cover the 21 point spread, but I have it as um, Oklahoma 47, FAU 30.
0: So Cyrus, it it doesn't sound like you're very confident uh, about it. That makes me feel better. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people I, I, I think are expecting, especially here uh, in, in Oklahoma. But Cyrus, one last question for you. I want to know what are you looking for? If not a W uh, in Norman, what is the one thing that you are looking to take away uh, from this game against OU?
3: I'm really curious to see how the quarterbacks um, play for FAU. You know, last season, like I said before, Jason Driscoll, he was a very limited passer and FAU would still be able to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Being that there is a perceived upgrade at quarterback this year, whether that be the former Florida State quarterback in DeAndre Johnson or the former Oklahoma quarterback in Chris Robeson, who in my eyes, I believe it'll be those two who's starting. I think Lane Kiffin is kind of throwing everybody a curveball with um, adding Peavy into the um, quarterback competition. But uh, as I was saying, I just feel like you know, if FAU is going to be the best group of five team and somehow accomplish that New Year six-bit, they'll have to be either 11-1 and one or 10-2 and two with the great showing against Oklahoma and a win over UCF. And in order for that to happen, they need improved quarterback play. Um, the Sooners only bring, I believe, back five starters on defense, so there is some holes to fill. But as I mentioned before, this is a team who's been in the college football playoff, a team that recruits among the best with the best teams in the country you know a traditional blue blood it'll be interesting to see if lane kiffin can use his tricks and you know using his offensive mind to kind of move the ball kind of at will you know which is what the expectation that i have over a stooch defense um that's in my what i'm looking for offensively defensively i'm really looking to see what the owls can do as far as how will they be able to confuse kyler murray it'll be his i believe his second start as a sooner i believe he started a game last year i believe a half um, when Baker Mayfield
0: was suspended, but yeah, it was kind it was of a start. Yeah, it was okay. a possession.
3: <laughs> okay, it's a possession. So, um, I, you know, with Murray, he's a vaunted athlete. We already know, like, he's playing basketball, dual threat, dual sport athlete. Um, I really want to see how well the defensive backs for FAU will perform under this new defense. Um, with Tony Piccaro, he's a very blitz-heavy guy. He likes leaving his corners and safeties on man-to-man coverage, and we already know how great Hollywood Brown is as far as being an explosive athlete and, with, and a dynamic player with the ball. If that is the strategy, I don't see this game being close for a half. If they do play a little bit more conservative and let, play a, in my eyes, a been but do not break approach as far as kind of keeping things in front of them, I do think FAU can play, keep it close for a half. Those are the two things that I'll be mainly looking forward to, Oklahoma's receivers versus FAU's experience secondary. And then on offense, I'm looking forward to seeing how um, Lane Kiffin integrates whoever's the new starter and kind of seeing if they do add a new dimension to the offense.
0: Alright Cyrus well I think that's all we have for you Um, definitely looking forward to reading more of your coverage on underdogdynasty.com that is the SB Nation uh, blog for the group of five schools Uh, and and definitely looking forward to football this Saturday and you can follow Cyrus Smith at CoolSyWrites that's Cy spelled C-Y Writes spelled W-R-I-T-E-S Cyrus, thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you for having me, guys. Texas
0: sucks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can go. definitely echo that. Now uh, you're definitely getting on our good side. All right, that interview you just heard again was Cyrus Smith from Underdog Dynasty. Great SB Nation blog. Uh, if you, I mean, if you're a college football fan, if you're a group of five men especially, go check that out. But uh, Jack, as we wrap things up here. Put a cherry on top of the cake. I mean, first of all, weekend plans. I know the answer to that. But yeah. What I mean, are your weekend plans?
1: Well, Friday night, probably uh, do my normal Friday night thing. I feel really bad on Saturday morning when I'm trying to uh, get prepared for this whole thing. I'll be tailgating. Uh, Saturday is when I delegate. I'm, you know, I Seth usually holds things down on game days, so. Tailgating and delegating. That's what I like to call it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you know, my uh, family and a bunch of friends have a spot uh, on the north side of campus, not too far from uh, what's it called, Campus Corner. So, that's always, you know, convenient. You can easily get to the stadium from there, and you can easily uh, get to the bars on Campus Corner from there. So, pretty convenient, but, uh, yeah, I mean... What's your favorite tailgating tradition, Matt?
0: Uh, stuffing my face with food and drinking something cold and brown and... That ball in it. Yeah, there you go. That's my favorite getting getting. You've gotta,
1: you got to make friends with someone who yeah. has one of those green egg smokers. Oh my God. Those That's are what crazy. you got to do. And you
0: can make anything on, on, on one of those. Absolutely. Sure.
1: I didn't think we would be plugging green egg smokers on this podcast, but here we are.
0: Brought to you by... No, just kidding. Yeah. Definitely not brought to you by green no, egg. No, we don't have
1: any sponsors, but uh, Maybe we be. do shamelessly plug things that we just legitimately mm. like, so take that for yeah. what it is. I mean, look,
0: I haven't... Uh, my work here at the franchise, I... Um, I have worked some long hours on Saturday in terms of uh, pushing buttons and making sure that all of the uh, signals go in the right directions, Uh, none of the wires get crossed, none of the proverbial wires, that is, or I guess the real wires, too, as well. So um, I haven't gotten a tailgate since I was a student at OU, which was I graduated in 2015. So, um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to do that. I mean, I think one time. One time I got a chance to... Uh, on my birthday, Franchise Game of the Day. So that was cool. But other than that, um, no, just 18-hour, uh, 16-18-hour days in a, uh, in a studio here with no windows. So yeah, you kind window. of just uh, lose all track and in, in really all sense of time. Keeps you
1: zoned well. in, though. So, I've been there.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's a long day, but it's a lot of sitting down. It's mostly just put, pushing buttons, but it's a long way to say that uh, I don't get to tailgate as much as I like.
1: I always savor every tailgate because I moved away to Florida and then to Georgia from, I guess it was 2012 to 2015, so a four-season stretch where I wasn't able to go to OU football games. I I think I I had been to, I think, every game of the Stoops era through 2011, and then all of a sudden I wasn't able to do it anymore, so... I never miss a tailgate, you know. It's it's being you know far away and watching the team on TV. That's great and all, but you only get so many opportunities per year to partake in one of America's greatest traditions, which is tailgating for football. I'm I serious. I mean, that's a like a that's an American folk tradition. Uh, absolutely.
0: So I mean, that kind of segues into this next question. I know that you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. I just read. Well, who knows? Patrick Mahomes looks good, man. I think that they're going to do big things this year. But I, I I read a story yesterday where they're not going to allow non-ticket holders to tailgate and in the Arrowhead Stadium parking lot.
1: It's a shame. That's it, it's one of the best tail. Like, and believe me, I I was there. I think it was last year when they played the Eagles, uh, week two, when Wentz was still obviously at quarterback. Chiefs won the game, but I mean, I think I I think you know. I think I left early. I think I left like midway through the fourth quarter. But the uh, tailgate lot was just packed with people just getting absolutely turned. I mean, it was was fantastic. I mean, it's one of the best football environments, college or pro. And it's because they allow people to A, tailgate during the game, and B, they let you tailgate if you're a non-ticket holder. And now they won't allow either of those things. Yeah, they're going to have
0: people going around and like, checking. To make granted, sure, and then, that and will that
1: will also ensure that people go inside on time and are in their seats and are buying stuff from them. And aren't having any fun whatsoever. Because, it's so yeah has got to be the fun it, Granted, Arrowhead inside the stadium is outstanding. It's great. It, I mean, it's, but it's, you know, if you don't have a ticket, though, I mean, you get to partake in the tradition anyway, but now you can't do that, so...
0: Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. It's was, tragic, really. I just tailgated in that parking lot about a month ago because I went to a uh, Cubs and Royals game. It's the same parking lot. Yeah,
1: they're they're the stadiums are you know just across from each other in that and same think,
0: giant parking lot. I think that Cubs fans probably propped up the uh, the tailgating absolutely experience yeah. there a little bit. I'm not saying that Royals fans are are absent or bad Cubs or fans or anything, do it big. It's uh, it's just a different time for both of those teams right now. And yeah, Cubs yeah. fans. That definitely took over. They do it there, big
1: all over the country. I mean, it would be,
0: be pretty sad if uh, you know that couldn't have that tailgating experience. But anyway, uh, it's tailgating, yes, definitely one of the best American experiences there is. I wish I could do it more often.
1: Yeah, gotta savor it.
0: All right. Well, I think unless you got anything else, nope, I'm good. up for today for today. All right. Well, for Jack Shields, I am Matt Ravis. Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown and Oklahoma Football Podcast. Uh, for crimsonandcreammachine Crimson dot com uh, on SB Nation, give us a follow at CC Machine for all the breaking OU updates in terms of uh, score, in terms of the games, and also all sorts of bad tweets from
1: me too. I mean, all sorts of stupid stuff. If you enjoy stupid jokes, then Crimson and Cream Machine is for you. Yeah,
0: know absolutely, stupid jokes. Uh- uh, who doesn't enjoy stupid jokes?
1: A lot of people, apparently. <laughs> it's
0: probably the same people who want to take away tailgating from. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, people yeah. who don't Fun have haters. tickets. There you go. For Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thanks so much for listening.